Uh, it's good to see you guys. This is your first time at Fathom. I just want to say welcome. This is your last time at Fathom. We love you and we hope you stay, but if you've got to go, like we, we still love you. So um, we, we really hope that you just find yourself at home today and you can really just grow in your faith and, and grow in a sense of family and community. That's really what this place is about. And uh, we think that happens through Jesus. We think that Jesus can really do some amazing things in our, our life. There's uh, just a lot of um, examples of that in this room. And so we're thankful that you're here. Uh, we, we, if you've been with us for the past few weeks or really the past couple of months, we've been in this uh, kind of a series of series. I think it's really goofy every time I say it, but it's a series of series really just diving into our mission which is simply Matthew 28, 19, 20, and we just take the first three words, go make disciples. That was Jesus' kind of last kind of hurrah, and really ultimately what we're talking about is just developing ourselves and really letting Christ develop us and make us better every single day so that we greater reflect his image, because we were made into his image, but we're broken. It doesn't take a whole lot of sense to kind of look around the world and see that we live in a broken world, and that really the the only hope, I I believe, is is Jesus Christ and his church, you and I, loving this world. Uh, And so we've just been diving into this series on on God's image and just how he's shaping us. We're going to take another step in that today. Okay, so um, something that might not be popular, or not popular knowledge, but but common knowledge, is that I'm I'm actually, actually an introvert. Believe it or not, you may notice me around here, but I'm actually an introvert. My wife is actually a good bit ex- more extroverted than I am in the community. Like, and so I really have to like, work outside of what, I, nat- what feels natural to me to, to live within my calling and, and just do what it means to make disciples and connect with people and love the community. Um, but my wife is, 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 when we first started dating and, and got married, it was always weird to me because I try to avoid awkward situations. I used to, but now I just engage them and I'm just like, yeah, this can be good. This awkward situation will be good. Um, but she does this thing, like we'll be walking by, and this is before we had kids, and she would just always say out loud, oh my gosh, they're so cute, talking about babies. And so obviously that's going to start a conversation, which for an introvert is like, stop doing that. I just want to walk. I just want to go get food. And, um, and she, it wouldn't just be with babies. Um, it would be like, you know, with, with a nice couple walking. You know, maybe they've been together 50 years. Oh, my gosh, they're so cute. And she's just waiting. She wants the conversation to happen. She can't wait to just jump into a conversation. But, again, I'm, I'm the opposite. Anybody else the opposite with me? How many of you guys are extroverts? Okay, you guys never meet a stranger. Um, so, anyway, it's funny. As we, we got married and we've just been together longer, I find myself... With babies, just been like, oh, they're so cute. And I don't say it in my head. I haven't gotten that far yet. Or I, I, I don't say it out loud. I just say it in my head. But I'm like, oh, they're so cute. And I'll, I'll see couples or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And uh, it hasn't, hasn't quite come out yet. But it, it's funny how just being with someone, uh, maybe you've seen couples that have been together a long time, and they look like they could be brother and sister now. Is that weird? <laughs> you know what I mean? They look like you guys are related, but by blood. it looks like by blood, which, you know. We won't get into that, but, um, but it looks like that, and it's just funny how much the two become one, and I really think there, there's something to this as we interact with other people, and I think the reason, the root, at a lot of our um, absence of community and absence of engaging with a diverse community is ultimately we don't, we don't want to have to deal with, with our own flaws, uh, let me explain what I'm saying. When I, um, you know, when someone asks me for a stick of gum, which I don't chew gum, but if I did, if when someone asks you for your, your, I'll say you, for your stick of gum, you're forced to deal with how selfish you are. <laughs> that you don't want to let that gum go, or that last minute you're like, yeah, but there's only two left, and like my breath is always stinky in the morning after I drink coffee. You know, so we have to deal with that. 
or I'm, I'm like super like on time. Like I hate, I hate being late. Like this morning I was like two minutes late to meet with the band and, and I was like frustrated. I was like, oh man, we're late. You know, and, and so when, when people are late because I, I kind of have that emotion, I'm, I'm forced to deal with how impatient I am. And it's funny how interacting with other people forces us to deal with our own stuff. And that's why a lot of us, we, we remove ourselves from community. We remove ourselves from healthy relationships that help us grow um, ultimately. Um, and so we're going to dive into this kind of understanding. We're going to do it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today because uh, I think there's something beautiful that God wants to speak about diversity and how he's created each one of us in this room and in this world. And he's wanting to unite us around not our own kind of separate visions, but his one, his one purpose. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, if this is your first time, usually what, what I like to do is just kind of walk through the text. And so we're just going to be walking through the text uh, slowly but surely. Uh, and so let's start up, up front. And, and I'll just let me give you a heads up because for some of you, um, you're, we're about to enter into uncharted territory. And I'm going to start using some terms and you're going to be like, I don't know what that is. And it, it's okay. So really what 1 Corinthians 12 does is it talks a lot about something called spiritual gifts. Or as a text we'll, we'll read, gifts of the Spirit, and so really what um, I, I need to share with you about this is gifts of the Spirit are just something that God enables us to do. He gives these, uh, these kind of special, unique things for certain seasons or maybe our entire lifetime for some, um, but he, he, he wants to use them for the good of others, not, not for yourself, not so you can build kind of a big mansion. He doesn't give you wisdom to handle money so that you, know, you can get rich. He wants you to use it for the kingdom. He, he may give you a, a really hospitable. You may be really hospitable, and he gives you these, these gifts so that you can build up the kingdom. And each one of us, as believers, we have um, some special, unique ability, gift that God gives us. And so there are natural abilities that we'll, we'll find in the list. Things like leadership that unbelievers can certainly have. Leadership, mercy, hospitalities. Those are a list of some. But some of these are, are, are un- very unique. And so just because the listing has some that are, you know, would seem like unbelievers can have or, or whatever, I, I'm not worried about differentiating today. What, what I want us to do is unite us with whatever you have, wherever it came from, whatever is God doing, is doing in your season right now. Because I think you can have something and not even know about it. I think you can have something and, and, and not even know about it. It's like finding 20 bucks. You're like, oh, I didn't know that was here. Um, you know, but, but in a way that we can really use it to build up the kingdom. So we're going to dive into this. And, and there's, I could do months of teaching on this. I could, I could go months and months of just teaching on every single gift and how that really works into the body. Today, we're just kind of doing a little bit of overview and want to draw us into the one purpose. So let's go to uh, verse 1. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do, don't want you to be ignorant. Thanks, Paul. Paul's a pastor. He's like, I want you to be ignorant. Anybody not want to be ignorant? Okay, good. Good to hear. Most of you. Some of you are like, I'm okay with it. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> You're like, uh, you know that um, when you were pagan somehow or other, uh, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And so here's where we begin to engage in the next few verses. Uh, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Uh, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works um, all of them in all men. And I'll add women uh, there. He's talking about mankind. So there's different, 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 but it's the same, same, same. Okay? There's this diversity 
And I think there's something, again, really unique about this, that he's created us unique. He's created us in a very special way. And so you have different gifts, you have a different service. And so many times people will take this and kind of explain kind of denominations, you know, where we have different service. Like that's, that's good for them. And, you know, Paul kind of said, I'll become all things to all men so that I can, you know, uh, whatever. But I, I pointed this out last week in Ephesians 4, and I pointed it out again this week. I believe that God's original intention was for one church, one unified body. Um, and, and again, I, I think it's kind of, kind of would be crazy um, to think. Um, I, I think it's more possible that all denominations can really just begin to embody what this means uh, and, and, and point to unity as a point, uh, as a opposed to just fighting and arguing over, over things that Christ really wants us to, to get better in and just be unified and diverse in. Um, but more so, we, it causes all these divisions. And so I think we're kind of almost too far along to kind of go back now, but I think more so just embodying whatever movement or place you're in, as long as it's biblical, just embody that. So a lot of times people will go here, but I think this goes to within our homes, within your workplace, within our, uh, the Fathom community here, is that, look, you've got something different that I don't have. Uh, one of the first conversations I had when we were stepping out to, to plant was a, a guy uh, who's a church planter up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, one of the first things he said to me um, and it was, it was amazing, and he said, um, God's already got tons of people that are ready to jump on board. You can't do this by yourself. He said, there's already a lot of people that God's already prepared, and he's going to do, and that kind of blew me away for a second, because I'm just, in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, we're, like, we're jumping out here, it's just me and my wife, and like, we'll figure it out when we get there, type thing, um, but when he, he said, there's already a lot of people that God's you know, ready for you, and as I look around the room, and I, and I see all you amazing people I'm really thankful for that, that that was true, what he said was true. Uh, and, and it's just a, a really beautiful thing as we begin to fit in, but the same thing is true within our homes. There's different gifts, and many times what we want is, is for everybody to look like us, or we want what they have. But I think the first place we've got to start is just like learn what you got, and then learn to love what you got. Um, learn, to, learn to love, and let me be honest, is the more that, that you begin to use your gift, really the, the tougher it can, it can be sometimes, um, because it gets messy. It gets messy when you learn how to live some of these gifts, because it takes sacrifice, because it takes work. I mean, it's the same God at work, but if we allow Christ to work through us, if we allow God to work through us, it will be less about us and more about him, and it'll keep us focused on the goal. So even within our homes, if we can begin to to find out what gifts and passions each person have, and we can encourage those. If, if here in this body, you know, and, and more we're going to talk about just value and, and honoring um, each gift, um, every single person in this room is valuable. Uh, I have people on, on occasion that will, will come to me, and they'll have this great vision, or this great dream that God's given them about some thing, and, and they'll come to me with it, and, and 90% of the time, 95, maybe 99% of the time, I'm just like, nice, like, what do, you, like what, do you, what do you want me to do about it? And most of the time, what they're trying to do is just, like, ring and, and run, like, leave, and just leave it, leave the package on the door and take off, like, and they want me, me to do it. But I have a different gift. I have a different service. Like, if, if I begin to obsess o- o- over your gift, then I won't be operating the gift that God's called me to do. I won't be doing the work that he's called me to do. And so most of the time, if, if God has pointed out to you something spiritually, mentally, that you just kind of begin to, to feel like is a need in the body. And it's interesting how, how some of these things can change based on the season. 
For instance, when I came into this, into this season, I took a spiritual gifts test, and, and some that I never thought would come up, I've never seen come up on a spiritual gifts assessment before, was hospitality. I was like, I don't consider myself to be, you know, like Mr. Hospitality. But it was something within the season, it was very important for me to understand and create comfortable environments, whether it was in our home with the first nine people, or whether it was in here. We want an environment that people really feel loved and welcome. So in this season, God's using that within me, so they can be seasonal. So let's get to verse 7, and I think this is going to get deeper for us as we learn to connect. Um, the dots here. Verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God working through you is given for, for really one reason. It's for the common good. And, and so it, again it confronts us with our, our, our selfishness. And that's difficult sometimes. Like we don't want to hear that but we have to do it for the common good. And I think it's really when we find fulfillment and fullness in our life um, is when it's for the common good. Let's read these next few verses down to verse 11, and then um, I want to mention something. To, to one there is given uh, through uh, the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, um, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking different kinds of tongues, and still another interpretation of tongues. So there's a ton of teaching that can happen on every single one of those right now. And for some of you, I know you're, you're, you feel like lost in the sausage. You can look at those, and, and it's okay. Okay, uh, we'll learn, we'll grow together over time. Uh, but I heard this great story one time about JFK walking around Kennedy Space Center. And he was walking around and just kind of encouraging people and just kind of seeing what was going on um, down. Obviously, this is way, way back. And... Um, just kind of seeing what's going on, and he comes up to a guy that's got a mop in his hand, and he says, hey, man, what do you do here? I mean, got a mop in his hand, like kind of obvious, you know, what he does here, uh, most likely, and uh, he says, hey, what do you do here? And he goes, well, I'm putting a man on the moon, and it was just like, whoa, whoa, that guy gets it. That guy gets what the big picture is, and some of us, we get so locked into, what am I doing? Oh, I'm doing this, but really, if we can really get a picture of what God's doing in this, it really provides inspiration and passion for your life. How many of you guys would like to be filled with more passion? Like you'd be more passionate about your work, more passionate about your calling, more passionate about your gifts, what God's created you. Well, <clears throat> question, like are we really connected for the common good? Are we really thinking about the kingdom? And, and, and if we really are, we can say stuff like that. No matter what I'm doing, it, it's for the kingdom. And it's so that people will come to, to meet Jesus and, and grow in their walk with him and know his love and mercy and grace. And so I think this is, is a very... Um, powerful text that as God just unites us under this one vision. Um, let's go to verse 12 and read through for uh, eight or nine verses here. Just as a body, though one, it has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit just so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were, given, we were all given the same spirit to, to drink. I love how he calls us from our place of uniqueness to oneness. And there's something just extremely beautiful about this, and we often want to separate ourselves from it. Um, but really, when we begin to engage in it, I think we find greater purpose. I think we find greater inspiration. I, I think we find greater growth. Because usually what we're avoiding is, again, that man in the mirror in which we're forced to deal with whatever is going on inside. But he calls us from Jews and Gentile slavery. He calls us to oneness in him. Uh, verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Uh, I've actually seen this happen within the body of Christ, because people get frustrated because their gift is not being used um, within the body of Christ, and they're like, well, you won't let me do that, so, you know, or or I can't get plugged in to do that. So therefore, I'm just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to step out. Like, and it doesn't make sense. We, we, we stun our own growth, and we have this arrested development because of bad theology and bad practice. Like, because we, we remove ourselves from the body of Christ. Let's finish this, and I've got a ton I want to say right in here. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Look like something off Monsters, Inc.? Uh, and if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the, the actual body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Uh, this is so powerful because many times what we like to do is we remove ourselves from the, the body because, again, we're, we don't want to deal with whatever it is we're, we're being confronted with, with our own insecurity, our own impatience, our own selfishness, whatever we're being confronted with but in a diverse community. We don't want to deal with it, but, but I, I hope today, somehow in the midst of all of this, that, that God would just give us a, a sense and a vision for the greater purpose and that we would just choose to be used and, and love the gift that God's given us. Love the thing that he's doing in us right now. And if we don't know, talk that out with community. Talk that out. Pray through that. Read through scripture and, and just see what God's doing in your life right now. Don't just say, oh, I don't know, so I won't do, do anything. We used to do this thing when I was in middle school called the wheel. It was for electives. And you would go through and you'd try all these electives. And, and, and you'd kind of figure out like whether you want to be in orchestra and play violin or whether you want to be in band or whether you want to do art. And you just kind of do the same. It's kind of a cool thing. You just did it on one semester at the beginning of, of kind of your middle school journey and find out what you, what you want to do. And I think this is maybe a good thing. You, you don't know until you try it, taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and and find out what God's doing in your life right now. Um, don't just sit idly by, but be a part of the one body because you're stunning, we're stunning our own growth when we remove ourselves from that. Um, I, I heard uh, a, a long time ago uh, a song that really just spoke deeply to me. Uh, and it was by this songwriter I, I used to really listen to a lot uh, named Derek Webb. And uh, he wrote this, this uh, album called She Must and Shall Go Free. And, um, and it was a powerful album, and, and he's kind of had, it, it's funny to, to watch his journey o- over the years as I started following him, uh, because I really stopped listening to him for a while, because he, he really just became this guy who was banging and just calling from this, this song called The Church, and he said, and then this one line, it's so powerful, and, and, and he said, you cannot care for me, it's Christ talking, you cannot care for me um, unless you care for her, if you love me, you must love my church. Um, And some of us, we have a tough time loving the body of Christ because we've been hurt by the body of Christ. It was one of the most powerful um, lyrics in a song. If you love me, you cannot care for me with no regard for her. If you love me, you must love the church. And he, in his own journey, went through this this time of almost bashing the church because he he felt broken and hurt by it and just didn't get the system, the whole whole shebang, what was going on. But lately, he he, he released this, this song, and it was just like, apologizing. He released this video. It was really beautiful. I almost cried because I've been watching his journey for a long time. And he just said, look, I'm sorry and I love you. Like for all the people that have offended for, for, for saying all these things, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and it was just kind of a beautiful moment of 
of repentance publicly for just kind of walking away and not seeing the real beauty in the diverse church and, and, um, and what God's trying to do through it. And so I think as we just begin to understand that we're one body, uh, we'll stop smashing our toe. We'll, we'll, we'll stop saying, I don't need you. It, you can't, if you were just an eye, you're just sitting on the ground. You need to be in the body in order to, to move along. And some of our growth is stunted because we've, I mean, one leg, can you imagine just one leg just hopping around? Or if you were just a foot, I mean, just hopping around, it'd be crazy. And so you kind of get this picture. I, I love kind of just this visual effect that this gives us to really understand that every single one of us are necessary. When we, when we do it together and Christ is at the head, he can speak for us. He, 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 can, he can minister in greater ways. God can do incredible things when we really begin to unite under, under his head. Um, so let's go to verse 21. Uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Um, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Uh, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Think about the heart. Think about the lungs. You can't see them. They're not visible, but um, just because something's not visible or, or, or prominent doesn't mean it's not significant. And there's probably a lot of us that need to hear that today. Is No one may ever know your name, but you may be the most important thing that makes this community go around. You may be you, you may be a linchpin to really, really grab it and move us forward to the next stage as we begin to engage with it. And I love what, what Paul says here. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So those that, that really would, would kind of get pushed to the side and be like, oh yeah, that's not really necessary. We treat them with special honor. Um, that would really mean the opposite for, for someone like me. <laughs> You know, I, I really do believe it would, it would mean the opposite because it's more prominent. So, um, you know, because often this is the place, oh, we want to honor whatever where this is. But really, textually, it says the opposite of that. I mean, if I'm looking at it, it, it says that we think the parts are, are, are less honorable. We actually want to treat with special honor. We want to love those that, that feel like it doesn't matter and they're indispensable. And, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. That means if some of us are are broken, if some of us uh, might be um, in process, as we say around here, um, we just love and, and we care for and we walk along. Um, we, we, don't, we don't throw you on stage um, to, to just let your brokenness kind of be out in front of everybody, but, but we love on you and, and we care for you. Uh, we honor you uh, privately and we lift you up. We encourage you. We help you mature. Um, and so no matter what stage we're in, in all of our uh, brokenness and beauty, um, there's a place for us, and, and there's honor for us, and there's significance. Verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, um, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Man, if we could really understand spiritually what God wants to do through us in our diversity. Um, I, I tweeted this past week that really um, it, it's when we're confronted with someone else's baggage that we're forced to deal with our own baggage. When, when, we're, when we're dealing with that person who is so selfish, we've got to deal with our own stuff. Uh, in the past three, four months have been that season for me. Uh, it hasn't been like one person 
It was just, we all got baggage. And I'm having to, I'm having to personally, having to deal with my own baggage um, lately. Just having to allow God to just take it and just let, let the burden be light, let the yoke be easy. I mean, I'm just in that season personally. That's where I've been um, to the point that after, after last Sunday, I was just like, I was a little bit just kind of shattered, and, and I, I went on the, the, um, on the way here Monday morning, and I said, God, I just need you to speak to me, to my emotional life, and I just need you to take this burden, this kind of frustration, this stress that I'm carrying right now. I just need to give it to you, and man, he just, he just spoke to me through, um, I went the first podcast that um, I, I opened up, and I, and I saw it, and it was um, about being emotionally healthy, and God just spoke through that for me. Everybody else might think it's nothing, but God just spoke to me, and I needed it in that moment. And so we just understand that we have to, to deal with these things, and if we really want to grow, because we're really stunning our own growth, we're prolonging um, our, our, our maturity in Christ by removing ourselves from the body, by removing ourselves from community in which we're, we're forced to confront and deal with these things. Uh, and I love this, this text right here because it's saying um, if every part suffers, uh, every part suffers, with, or one part suffers, every part suffers with it, one is honor, we all rejoice with it. When's the last time you celebrated, I mean really celebrated for somebody else? When's the last time you didn't just pat somebody on their back and be like, man, I hope things get better? When's the last time you didn't say a word, you just sat with them and cried with them? We had, we had an opportunity to go to a wedding last night out at Hannah Park, which was really cool, and um, it was a beach wedding, and it was just a really beautiful moment out on the beach, and man, I got to tell you, I'm doing a few weddings, there's a couple of couples in, in the room and others that, are, that I've already got on the schedule for this year, I'm just telling you guys, I'm, I'm a crier when it comes to weddings, there's not a lot of places I cry, but I see that bride walk down the aisle, and I look at that dude, and like, I'm squirting tears, like straight up, like it's, I can't help it, um, and it's just a beautiful moment, but I think we've really got to begin, this can be life-giving, to just move together. If we're broken, like, let's just sit with someone. Don't say you have all the answers. Don't try to fix everything. Just mourn with them. When someone else gets a new car and you're just like, oh, that's sweet. I wonder how they paid for that. I wonder, you know, why, why can't God, you know, give me that? Why won't we just rejoice with it? Awesome, man. I love it. Like, can I drive it? You know, why wouldn't we just rejoice with them? We, we find ourselves just in this comparison game of always wanting what everybody has. We find ourselves just emptier. We find our, ourselves, um, and we're not dealing with, with what's really happening is we're confronted with our selfishness. We're confronted with our insecurities. And when we find rest in Jesus at being who God's created us to be in that uniqueness, he will shape us together in order that the common good might be lifted up, that his head might be shown to all the nations. And that's, I believe, what God's trying to, 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 to speak to us today. Uh, verse 27, let's wrap up this thing. Um, and now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, uh, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. I don't think this is uh, necessarily, this is a, a normal order in which they would lift, list these gifts. We see it in Ephesians 4, Paul listing pretty much the same thing. Don't think it's necessarily like, you know, this is greater. He's just said, you know, about honor and, and, and you know, uniqueness and beauty in it. God has placed in the church. Let's go to the, uh, 29. Uh, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Simple answer is no. But he says this eagerly desire 
the greater gifts. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. I wonder what that would look like for us today to just pray, God, just give me whatever's best for this community right now. There's some, there's some people in this room right now that, you know, you're like, hey, I want to serve whatever I can do. Uh, and, and I love that. I, I love just the heart just to be used wherever. Because I think that's what they're saying. God, whatever you want to use in me in this season, I, I'm open to it. God, whatever, you, if it causes me to step out of my comfort zone, if it causes a little more sacrifice, God, I'm willing to do it um, so that, that you can be made great, so that the body can be built up. Because in that process, we are maturing, we're growing, and yet, and this is how he ends it, and yet I'm going to show you the most excellent way, which opens up chapter 13. That last, that last line there opens up chapter 13, which most of you will know is the love chapter. And he says, look, you can have all of these. You can, you can, you can have every single gift. You can, God can be rock, you know, just rocking the world through you, but if you don't have love, it is not wrapped in love, you got nothing. It, it, it's noise and, and refuse to God. I mean, he, he can't use you if your life is not wrapped in love. He can't because God is love, and that's who he's trying to express to the world. And, and if our gifts, if our passions aren't wrapped in love, if they're just wrapped in frustration and impatience and stress, if that's all our lives are wrapped in, that's all people are ever seeing, or complaining, if that's all it's ever wrapped in, none of that stuff matters. He, he's saying you've got to be wrapped in love. That's what chapter, the whole chapter 13, go through and read it this week. It's just about love, uh, of just about promoting unity. Each one of these, whatever you have, just do it in love, love, love. Benaiah, if you'll come and, and uh, play. I want to read one final text that's going to kind of um, bring us a landing point in Hebrews um, today. And it says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Unswervingly. I've never heard that word before, <laughs> but it's fun. Unswervingly. Not, don't waver. Like, let's just hold to this hope that we have in Jesus without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. We sang about it earlier. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I believe that's, this, this kind of goes right with this text here, verse 25. And not giving up meeting together as some of the habit are doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you seek, um, see the day approaching. I think there's something unique about our diversity coming together. He's saying, don't give it up. Because you need, you need them. And I think for some of us, we have to realize how much we need community. We may think we're okay without really connecting to the body of Christ. I'm not talking about just gathering. I'm talking about fellowshipping with Christ and, and with, body, with body of believers. I, I think there's something deep to this where our growth happens. I mean, think about really when you've been, been able to just kind of pour your heart out to someone. There's really life that comes into that into those moments. Um, and so I encourage us today, just hold unswervingly, unwavering to the hope we have in Jesus. And let's figure out how to encourage one another. Figure out how to, to help each other grow. And whatever gift we might have that we can help each other be a part of the body of Christ. I want every person in this room to know just... You're, you're unique, and God's created you that way. And, and it's significant what God's put in your life. And so don't, don't leave it at somebody else's door for them to take care of. Don't let it sit dormant. But like other scriptures talk about, let's stir up the gifts. I want to be one that stirs up the gifts of the body because the body can be grown, built up through that. 
I want to be one that encourages what God's given you. And so many of us, we want it to look like so-and-so or, or, or fill into the places we're comfortable. But just be obedient and, and choose to be used in whatever way possible. I'm not just, t- you, you may feel like this is all about some kind of pitch to like join our serve teams or something. And it, it's not. It's not. It's about maturity in Christ. It's about growth in Christ. And you're not good enough. And it's time we just face that. I'm not good enough. I'm straight up. Not good enough to lead this church. I'm not good enough to lead my family by myself. I'm not. I'm not good enough to to just have an emotional state where I don't go crazy by myself. We may feel like that's easiest sometimes, but it's dangerous. We find ourselves surrounded and filled with bad theology and really a lot of bad consequences to our actions. We don't have that community, that diverse community that's bringing us to wholeness in Christ. I want to ask you to stand today. Let's pray. God, I pray today that we would just find rest in who you have created us to be. Can we do that for just a second? Just in a silent moment, just find rest in who Christ has created you to be. I'm not going to say anything, just find rest in that moment with Christ. God, I pray that our significance today would not be wrapped up in what we do, but in who we are in Christ. I pray that our significance wouldn't be built out of performance today, but it would be built out of who you have called us to be. And I pray that we'd choose to live a life that's worthy of the calling that we've received. God, I pray that we'd find significance in purpose in living for the common good of the body of Christ, that we each would grow into the maturity and the fullness of Christ as we looked at in Ephesians 4. God, as we're confronted with our own issues, God, help us. Help us to be intentional with community. Help us to be intentional with service, with our gifts. God, and how you've created us, help us to be intentional and to move beyond our, our schedules and our, our selfishness, God so that we might encourage somebody today before we leave. We might encourage someone tomorrow when we go into the office. We just might encourage and spur somebody along. Help us to be unwavering in this hope we have in Jesus. In Christ's holy name. Amen.